This copyrighted podcast of the James Perspective has been paid for and funded by James M. Wilkerson. Any rebroadcast, reproduction, or other use of this podcast are a permutation and combination of words and sentences used in this podcast without the express written consent of James M. Wilkerson and the James Perspective is strictly prohibited. Gentlemen, good morning, listeners. Good morning. We do not have the giant preacher today. He was supposed to be back, but his priorities weren't straight, and he's still in Arkansas visiting or whatever he's doing there. But we miss him. We'll, uh, he should be back next week. We got Doc and Jim. Jim's in Dallas, and Glenn is in his bunker in in Bossier City. Undisclosed location. That's where it is. Yeah. And, um, you know, to, I, I'd like to say that I'm excited about it, but I don't know much about this topic at all. I'm hoping by the end of the podcast, I'm very excited. Jim wants to talk about Lionel Joseph. And um, yes, he he's um, he's a, a Philemon, um, you know, Ninji, Ninji and Boko. It's me, Lionel Joseph. Oh, Lionel from the African Education Conference. Yes. This is all over my head. <laughs> I worked at I worked at the African Cultures at the with Haley Selassie Pavilion. What is this from? <laughs> what is this from? Bulliba, 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 ha! Bulliba, bulliba, bulliba. I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. Talking about the trading. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I got. It. I didn't oh get gosh. it until he said that. Philemon. Got a movie reference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Y'all knew what I was. Was I that bad at it? You couldn't. No, it wasn't, it wasn't that. I just I hadn't seen that movie in a long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was kind of funny. That's that's a funny introduction yeah. to this. Yeah, topic. Philemon. Yeah. Okay, well, so we're not going to be talking about a Philemon. Not that one. Please no. You know, I have. Yeah. I, I know. I'll be honest with you. I have read Philemon several times because it's so short. If I say, "Okay, I'm gonna read a book of the Bible," I go pick that one because it doesn't take long. But I don't remember anything in it. Who wrote it? So Paul wrote Philemon. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's one of those. It's one of those texts that liberals and conservatives agree on that Paul's the author. Okay, well, take it away, Jim. All right. Um, well. There's really no inspiration as far as why I chose this topic. It was assigned to us in class. And so that's the reason why I was like, yeah, we could discuss that today. And I haven't gotten graded on it yet. So, <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, <laughs> we might have a C effort here. We could be sharing false information. <laughs> so, so I'll let you guys know if anything that I present here is incorrect in a few weeks. Uh, whenever... They, uh, whenever the damage is already done. Um, so we were supposed to give like the background and cultural of Philemon, and Paul's the author. Paul is in prison, it is believed, and there are several references that point to Paul's being in prison. He refers to himself as a prisoner, not just as a prisoner in Christ, but also that um, Miss was there when Paul was in chains. So there are references in that regard. So Paul's in prison. The question is, like, where is he in prison? And some of the scholars think that he was in Ephesus, and then others think that he he was in uh, Rome. And there are arguments that go either way. Me right now, being an amateur, 
I think that he was in, is it Ephesus? I think it's Ephesus. Anyway, um, I think that he was in Ephesus because of the distance between there and Colossians. Uh, or, uh, Dang it, what's that? Not Colossians. It's the Colossians live there. Um, anyway, he the distance between Ephesus and there is much shorter than between Rome and Colossia. I think that's what it is. Hey, you, keep, you keep breaking up, Jim. One second. This is why we do mic tests. We I did mic test. We did mic test. It started. It started while you started. All right. There we go. That's okay. Better. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. One second. And so, where did where did you, I leave off? I, I was breaking up. It, there was a, a, a larger distance between Rome and and Ephesus. I think you said that's where you were, and I couldn't hear you. You were talking about distances between Rome and and someplace. Oh right. Yes. And so. I think that so Philemon was in um, one second. I have to look this up. I can't believe that I don't know how to pronounce this uh, city. And so, professional podcast right here. Yes, Tyra Tyra. Yeah, this is professional podcast, professional <laughs> stuff. Hey, don't worry. I got our six minute post. Bullaba, 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 ha. Bullaba, 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 ha. <laughs> and so anyway okay so it's called Colossi that's what it is and so um I'm not I'm not really what uh good at pronouncing Greek and Roman words still but anyway it's called Colossi Paul is in Ephesus if he is in Ephesus he's writing to Philemon who's in Colossi and that distance is much more realistic as far as Paul anticipating a visit there it's about 200 miles from Colossi to Ephesus, but from Rome to Colossi, it's about like a thousand miles. And so really, it's not important for the meat of the letter. This is just establishing the setting. And if he's writing in Ephesus, this means that he's writing in the 50s. And so the like what I would say right now, in my amateur opinion, is that Paul's writing from Ephesus in the 50s to Philemon, who's in Colossae. And Paul writes Philemon, the letter to Philemon, and the letter to the Colossians, uh, almost in congruency, that he's sending them simultaneously, essentially. So he's sending Philemon to the specifically the church that uh, Philemon started, and then he's sending the general population, the general Christian population of Colossae, a letter as well, which we call the Book of Colossians. And so that's kind of the background. That's the setup here. Um, and do you guys sort of get the general gist of the letter as far as what what the letter is about? I'm unprepared. Yeah, I, I turned think it. I, do. I, I mean, turned it an unprepared marker. You can go ahead. I would. I would go ahead and just give like a brief. Yes. Summary. Yeah, yeah. But like, I didn't know if you guys were. I didn't know how much I needed to uh, explain like in baby terms as far as that goes because uh it's a pretty straightforward thing there it's about a runaway slave uh, yeah, I mean, anisimus you, you well what you need to do is you need to put it on the bottom shelf because if one of even if we know somebody's listening is not gonna yeah. know well yeah i know but i, I like I, I didn't know I, well i'm not trying to give a sermon here i guess that's the thing is yeah uh, well, yeah this, just go ahead i wanted this be a conversation Put it in baby terms real quick. Okay, so baby terms, Anisimus is a runaway slave, and he was converted to Christianity during his visit to Paul. Paul is sending Anisimus back to Philemon and is not commanding Philemon to accept him as a brother, but merely advising him. He's okay. saying, this is what I would do. Um even though Paul says explicitly that he could tell Philemon to accept him back as a brother uh, on the authority of his being apostle. Mm -hmm. So Paul says, but I'm not going to do that. This is on your own terms. 
you know what you ought to do, and I'm saying that you should do that. Now, that's the argument. What does Paul mean by you know what you ought to do? Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you what you ought to do. Like you are going to do this on your own. And so that's the gist of the letter. And so we're kind of entering several arguments or engaging in several conversations on this brief letter because it's not really clear from a 21st century lens what Paul is doing. And it seems pretty innocuous. Also, we don't get an outright call for abolition of slavery, and uh, Onesimus is returned to his master. And so all of this sort of adds up to why is this included in Scripture? And we there have been several conversations on this, like I said, uh, several arguments. The best argument that I see is that this is the gospel in action. So whenever Paul sends Onesimus back, he's not doing so because he wants uh, Philemon. He, he respects Philemon's authority as a Roman slave master. Instead, Paul is sending Onesimus back likely because the abolition of slavery at that time didn't mean the abolition of dependency. So whenever freedmen were released, they often went back and were dependent on their masters uh, still. And it wasn't just that uh, it was fear of destitution. There were political and social pressures as well. There were laws preventing slaves or uh, former slaves, freedmen, um, from being uh, holding political office. Um, and so a lot of the, the slaves would have to find their fortunes elsewhere. Some slaves did get very rich, but those were the exceptions and not the rules. Uh, not the rule. The rule was that, yeah, you would be freed, but you would also live in destitution if you didn't rely on your master. And so uh, Anisibus, he was a slave who, even if freed, would have to live in destitution if he didn't return to Philemon. On the other hand, Onesimus is also a runaway slave, and runaway slaves were viewed as a threat not just to the masters, but to Roman civilization. And so they were a threat pretty much to the hierarchy, that if you allowed this to happen, then other slaves would get the idea that if they just ran away, if they just became fugitive, then they would be able to uh, get the same freedom that their other slave friends got after they ran away. And so the state became involved in retrieving these runaway slaves, not just the master. Uh, so what this meant was that there was never a time where Onesimus could feel secure. And there was never a time where the state and also these bounty hunters wouldn't be seeking him and returning him to his master. And if he did return to his master, several things could happen. First, he could be branded on the face uh, because he was prone to run away. And then the second thing was he could be crucified if it uh, started enough of a commotion within the master's house. So you would want to set an example to the other slaves that this is what would happen to you if you ran away. And so Onesimus was facing three grim fates of constant fear, destitution if he succeeded, and then punishment, severe punishment, even crucifixion if he got caught. And so that's kind of what's happening in the letter right now. And another thing that needs to be emphasized here is that slaves lived under absolute subjection. It's true that masters um, varied in their treatment of slaves. Some treated their slaves with, you know, you could say, quote, dignity. But that dignity really doesn't mean much if it's completely up to the master how the slave is treated. One master would treat a slave well, and then another slave he would treat 
terribly. It was completely up under his authority. And so just because he's treating a slave well doesn't mean that that slave's still not living in under absolute subjection. He does something wrong. That master takes it upon himself to become the most cruel master to that slave that he wants to be. And the state's not going to really intervene unless that master starts chopping up slaves. That was really the only, there were several laws that were keeping masters from doing things like that. I might have have a a, a wrong um, perception or idea of of Roman slavery. Um, There's this, and and the reason I'm going to ask this is because I, I don't, I don't picture Roman slavery being like it was the slavery in the South where, you know, you, you had slave masters out in the field and you were watching them and mm-hmm. right. Yeah, it wasn't not, like that. All right. It was because, because there's that story that, you know, it's almost you know, become a, you, almost anything you read on Roman history. Now they put this out there, you know, we were going to, somebody proposed making slaves where, a different color robe or something like that. So we'll know who the slaves are. And someone says, well, we better Mm -hmm. not do that because they'll find out they outnumber the Romans. Mm -hmm. That that story gets told a lot. So, so I'm Mm -hmm. picturing, I'm picturing you're walking around. You don't know who's who now the slave owner does. And and I guess people probably know by reputation, but, but we're not talking about chains and, and stuff like that. We're talking, but you're saying, but it is absolute subjection. If they say go home, if I say go home, you got to go home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you would, you would also, there's also the debate as to whether Onesimus was a wandering slave, um, W A N D E R I N G, or if he were, if he was a um, runaway slave. And so wandering slaves would be those slaves. Um, let's just say that we tell Doc to go to the store and get some things. And it should take about 20 minutes, but instead it takes Doc four hours. That's a wandering slave. I've had, um, I've had those and so before. sometimes, sometimes there would be, there would be a journey where you would estimate in your head, you're like, okay, as a master, I'm thinking that this is going to take two to three days and it's taken my slave a week to get back. And he's still not back. Um, you go and get him. At that point, you have to determine were you running away or were you lost or were you kind of being lazy and just wondering. And you have to figure out how to treat that slave based on, you know, judgment, essentially. And so, like you said, it's it's not it's not Southern slavery. We got to get that out of our heads. Um, and I'm used to talking to historians about it. And, and that's something that you don't necessarily need to explain in that group, but you definitely need to explain it to the lay person because I can't believe this, but some people think that slavery was invented by Americans. And it's like, how can you possibly think that when like just a little glimpse of history, you know, would tell you otherwise anyway. So, so yes, it's not chains. It's not people in fields who are overseeing slaves. However, there are protections for slaves, not because the Roman government cared for the slaves. It was so that revolts wouldn't happen. And so if a master was too brutal to his slaves, that master actually became a danger to his neighborhood because the slaves would revolt. And now you have a bunch of slaves who don't have any place in the hierarchy, in the Roman hierarchy, they don't have any political power. And so they're just going to keep fighting until they either get free or until something drastic happens. Like, I'm I'm Spartacus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Spartacus, exactly. 
And so there's a there's a there was definitely discretion used in punishing slaves, but for runaway slaves, crucifixion was a common punishment for them. And being branded on the face was a common punishment for slaves who had run away and who were thought by the owner to be prone to run away. And so these were some of the things that Onesimus was facing. He was he was far he was about two hundred miles from Colossae. Now I'm not necessarily sure what we're not necessarily sure. Nobody can tell what Onesimus was doing in Ephesus or if Paul was in Rome. If, if Paul was in Rome, Onesimus had traveled a thousand miles or whatever. I mean, like if you think about the United States, so I actually lived almost exactly a thousand miles away from Ruston whenever I was in Jacksonville, North Carolina. So Onesimus had walked that far or had traveled that far through cart or whatever it was. He was that far away from home. And so we're not necessarily sure what he was doing, especially if he was in Rome. That's why a lot of people say Onesimus was a runaway slave. He was just simply too far away from Colossae. And so Paul's trying to figure this out. Okay, what are we doing with Onesimus? And Paul himself, like I said, is in prison at this time. So he doesn't have a lot of power, even though he is a Roman citizen. There are, I think what Paul does in his letters, he puts the gospel on display by telling Philemon, that contrary to the Roman laws, contrary to the Roman customs that treat slaves under absolute subjection and that seek to punish runaway slaves severely, uh, I'm not only going to befriend Onesimus, I'm going to adopt him as my spiritual son. He calls Onesimus my son. Uh, I forget which verse it is. I think it's in verse 19. Anyway, he calls Onesimus my son and tells Philemon to accept him as a brother. So two things just happened there. Uh, it was in verse 10 that Paul calls Onesimus his son. But two things happened there. Paul is leveling the playing field between master and slave. And then Paul is also adopting Onesimus as his spiritual son. This is not something that you call slaves, especially runaway slaves. You do not give them the affectionate title son. Do not give them the effect the affectionate title beloved brother. Uh, these slaves were treated without respect. They did not get any outside help from anyone ever. And a large part of that was because Roman law said, do not help runaway slaves. If you do, you'll actually have to pay the debt that the master has suffered because of his runaway slave. And so uh, people didn't offer slaves outside help. Well, Paul seems to already have. Um, and he tells Philemon, hey, accept him because he's part of the family now. He's he's converted now. And also, whatever debts that Onesimus owes you, put them on my bill. And Paul's being serious about this. And one of the things that runaway slaves often did was whenever they ran away, they would steal from their masters because they had no other way to finance their flight. Like I said, they couldn't rely on outside help. So uh, they would steal from their masters frequently. And this is probably something that uh, Onesimus did. And so Paul's promise to repay the debt that Onesimus accrued was a very real one. It was very real and it was very literal. And so I think that there's a there are two factors here that are showing the audience, like Philemon and his church, what the gospel looks like. You have this runaway slave who's the most despicable of all people in Roman society. And you have Paul not only accepting him as his son, but he's saying, and I'm going to pay off his debts. And you're going to accept him as a beloved brother. Actually, I think that I request that you do. I'm not going to tell you what you should do, and you should follow my lead as how I'm being a master to you, because I'm your apostolic master. I'm not forcing you to do this, but I'm, I'm suggesting that this is what you do according to the gospel. And so this was not something 
that was, you know, innocuous and what's the word that I'm looking for? It wasn't something that was just, oh, Paul's just, you know, being soft with his words and placating Philemon. This was jolting the audience. And it wasn't a misdemeanor. It was a felony. Mm hmm. And so, what are you talking about? I'm just saying what he did was a big deal. It was a felony. What he did was a very, yes. It wasn't a misdemeanor. It wasn't a ticket. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What Paul did was a very big deal. Okay. And so, he, what he's, what he's doing is he's, instead of going with the Roman customs of, of turning in the runaway slave and giving them back to the master, uh, reporting it to the Roman authorities, he is, he is promising to repay all the debts and, in my opinion, it looks like he's telling Philemon to manumit his slave. What does manumit mean? Let him go. Okay. We gotta use we gotta use elementary terms here. Ah, <laughs> uh, right. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And so um that was a that was the essentially the book of Philemon in a nutshell from this person's perspective. I understand that there are a lot of arguments that go into that and I am I am in no way an expert on this, but uh just a little brief reading on it makes you realize, especially on Roman slavery, makes you realize how revolutionary Paul's request was. We and it shows the force of the gospel behind his request. It's yeah. like, it's not just I'm requesting you to take him back as brother. I've already adopted him as, as his son, and I'm already promised to repay all of his debts. So so where, where would he have been running to? I mean, Rome was so big at that time. Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, if Paul was in Ephesus, um, that's about 200 miles away. And then if he's in Rome, and by the way, if Paul's writing from Rome, he's writing in like the 60s. And so if Paul's in Rome, then that's about like, I, I think it's over a thousand miles. I mean, I know, sure. but all right. So he wasn't trying to escape the Roman Empire. He was just trying to escape his master. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not necessarily sure what the circumstances were because Anisimus, this is, this is an interesting thing. Anisimus converted after he ran away. So he wasn't converted in Philemon's house. So was huh. he running to huh. Paul? Like, because he wasn't a Christian yet whenever he ran. I got so you. So it's, it, yeah, so I'm trying to figure out if he was running to Paul or if he was, because he knew about Paul from Philemon, even though he wasn't converted, or if he was just running away and by happenstance runs into Paul. Now, is it is it established that he wasn't lollygagging, that he was actually a, a, a runaway? No, that's one of the arguments. Is okay, that, okay. Yeah, but I, the most scholars think that he was a runaway. Well, I mean, it makes no sense to me, though. I mean, it seemed like to me you would be trying to either get to, you know, a Germanic area or something to get out of there. As long as you're in Rome, you're you're toast. Yeah. So he has yeah. to get out. Well, where he's going was along a road between Ephesus and, and Rome. It was from Colossae to I don't know where Colossae is situated. And uh, it was it was from Colossae to Ephesus or from Colossae to Rome. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And no, no, it's not that important. I'm just trying to figure now, it out. By the way, I think that uh, Anisimus was, I'm not necessarily sure what his status was at the time. Um, as far as, so I know that he was a runaway, but I'm trying to figure out if there was a group of people who kind of knew where Anisimus was and they had him under watch. I'm not necessarily sure. So I have, I would have to read on that a little bit more, but it would be interesting if Anisimus ran away to go further into Rome. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Like he's going to, he, he's not just fleeing in the Roman Empire. He's fleeing from the periphery of Rome, going straight to the center of it. Okay. So Colossae is in Asia Minor. It's on the, it's, yeah, okay. it's on the south coast of Asia Minor. And he was, where was he found? Either in Ephesus or Rome. 
Okay, and do we know where he was supposed to be going? I'm, the reason I'm asking is I'm trying to figure out. I want to know if I, I want to know if I, I want to know if I agree with the people who say he's stealing, or I mean, he was uh, trying to escape, or he was trying to just be, a, he was just lollygagging. Well, again, like we don't know necessarily for sure what he was doing. Most people think that he ran away, and the reason why most people think he ran away was because he did something that appears to have upset the master. The master, uh, Paul, indicates to Philemon that Philemon considered uh, Onesimus useless. Uh-huh. And so I'm not necessarily sure what the relationship was there, but it wasn't a good one. And so, yeah, and so Onesimus, that's why people think, okay, this was not a good relationship between slave and master. It wasn't one where there, the slave was beloved by his master. So that's why we think that Onesimus ran away. And that's why we think that if he went back, he would be treated severely by Philemon who even though Philemon was a Christian, he hadn't converted his slaves to Christianity. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I can see why they don't know. We don't, we have to, we, you would almost need to know what assignment he had and what, why, where he was supposed to be going. But I mean, I, I, I can't, when I look at what you say and he did now that I know for sure where Colossi was, Philadelphia would have been to the Northeast. He, if he was supposed to go straight back there and he crosses the, um, the uh, Bosphorus and goes into Europe. I'm sure he was a runaway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he wasn't planning yeah. on coming back because <laughs> mm-hmm. because both yeah. because Philippi was in and and Colossi both were on Asia Minor where Turkey is now, and mm-hmm. and I think that that would that would, that's where they're getting it then because he was a long way away if he was supposed to go home. Yep, gotcha. Yeah. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it. Like studying, I think I think it's important to study the background of you know Roman slavery and study who the audience was that Paul was talking to and what exactly the problem was. Because whenever I read this, whenever I read this book, it's a it's a weird one. It doesn't call for the it doesn't call for anything revolutionary from a 21st century lens. And it's just it's a, it's the shortest book, or I think it's the shortest book in the Bible. No, no, that's that's a lie. Yeah, got John's epistles. John's, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, so it's um, Paul's shortest letter, though, right? Yeah, yeah, it's Paul's shortest letter. That's what it is. And so you have this very short letter, and it's included in here. It's not really calling for anything revolutionary. It's telling a slave to go back to his master, and you're telling a master to do what you ought to do, which is vague. And yeah, you just wonder what's going on here. But if you look at it, really, what's happening is this is a this is society who hates slaves. As far as not hates. They find the status of slave to be the most despicable status in the Roman Empire. It's not something that's to be admired. And it's definitely not something to where you would adopt a slave as a son. You could definitely manumit a slave and you could um, include them in your inheritance. But again, often the slave was someone who was dependent on the master, did not have any, any sense of autonomy and any sense of familial relations with the master. Yeah, and and, if, if I'm not know, mistaken, a mm-hmm. a manumitted, a freed slave was not allowed to marry a Roman citizen. If I I'm, can't remember it, that, but yeah, you, you have you had laws like that, like political and social pressures making the slave dependent on the master. Still, all right, so well, yeah. I so so what I what I what I want to just just to clarify now that I've I've looked at it I I I think I get why those are saying that this was a, a, a someone trying to escape because again if you if he would have been anywhere on Asia Minor where it was all by roads he could say I took a wrong turn or I wanted to go by and pick up some blackberries on the way or whatever that would be lollygagging right mm-hmm. but if he crosses the Bosphorus which was 
what Troy and and Greeks were fighting over, you know, to go up into the Black Sea. That's not that's not something. That's a heck of a current. You don't just say, "Oh, I didn't realize that I was leaving," you know, Asia Minor. I was just mm-hmm. yeah. He, yeah. he 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 knew he wasn't going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and so. That's that's what's going on, and again, we have a we have a relationship that seems a bit strained uh, strained between Philemon and Onesimus, and so we we have several factors there indicating that this was not a good relationship. Onesimus was very far away, and if he returned, he wasn't going to get he he wasn't going to be treated. You well, got all this from reading likely. Philemon. Say that again. You got all of this from reading Philemon. Mm-hmm. And from studying sort of the background of slavery. Slavery was a very complex system, especially whenever you're talking about region or region. And admittedly, I'm not necessarily sure what was going on in the region of Colossae and Asia, Mi- Asia Minor. Generally, this is, and, and I'm, I'm committing that sin as a historian. But again, I didn't, I didn't do like this huge research project on this and try to figure out the nuances of the different types of slavery in the Roman Empire. But generally what we're talking about is what is slavery in the Roman Empire and how it was, how these runaway slaves were treated overall, even though there definitely were uh, geographical flavors added to the practices of Roman slavery. So if slavery was practiced differently in Louisiana than it was practiced in Kentucky, let's say. Like you could have different flavors of slavery there, even though there were a lot of there were a lot of similarities into in it as well. So you have to note the differences and the similarities. One of the similarities that I picked up on was that slaves got branded on the face and that slaves were crucified. That seems to have been universal. Even though even though there were differences among regions, that part of it was universal. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, again, I'm speaking out of turn. I'm not a Roman history expert by any means, and, and can get it wrong. But, but it, 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 I just from what you said, it does sound like to me the guy was worthless. That he was not a good person at that point when he escaped. That he was already considered lazy because a lot of those, a lot, you know, there were, there were um, slaves who, you know, like I want to say, a slave invented uh, double books. You know, the counting where you have two books, two sets of books. Mm-hmm. We call that. Um, that he invented that and that they were a lot of them would take care of the finances of the uh the Roman citizen and they would some of them were extremely good um um you know building things now I know Zeno was Greek but Zeno was a philosopher and and he was a slave um but so so my point I'm making is is that if if this guy were extremely valuable to is it Philemon who owned him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if if he were extremely valuable to him, um, I doubt that this would have been a big deal. I think this w- what was is he was kind of a, a slacker, a slag, a, a slacker, and he tried to escape. And Philemon was justified legally to go after him. Is what you're saying? And mm-hmm. so you're saying that this is all okay. Look, he has he has accepted Christ. He's admitted his sins. I I agree. I Paul stand and vouch for this. And I think you need to let him go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Not just let it go. Take him back because he's probably going to be living in a destitution uh, yeah, if you don't. Yeah, yeah. Accept him as a beloved brother, not just as a slave. And so Paul's telling him this in the context of a, of a system that did not allow runaway slaves. Like, let's say that he, were, he was successful. 
he would he wouldn't have a future that's that's the reality in this context is he's out there on his own he's not a manumitted slave he doesn't have any legitimacy to his name he's going to be a homeless hobo gotcha and so the option is you know we could (laughs) he could call for abolition in his letter all right but he, what he's telling, what he's telling Philemon, I think this is this is my interpretation of it. This isn't from the text. What he's telling Philemon is, I'm not going to tell you to manumit him, but you should do that, and you should keep him in your house. Well, if you ask me, Philemon probably does not have clean hands, is because why did why would he pick a, a life as a hobo instead of being under Philemon? It must not have been a good life, Philemon. Must- yeah, right. Well, that's that's the thing is that relationship doesn't seem to have been going well. <laughs> and so, yeah, I agree with you that if you're choosing a life of being a hobo and slaves knew this, runaway slaves knew this. They, they didn't run away unless it was a really severe situation. Typically, gotcha. right? that's that's the general attitude that there was it, it would be better to live under a master and be fed than it would to i mean you wouldn't be free it would just be you'd be living in constant fear of being found out by the state or found out by bounty hunters and if you were successful if they stopped looking for you you wouldn't have any legitimacy to your name and so you wouldn't be able to start a business you wouldn't be able to get into politics you wouldn't be able to marry and if you were ever found out you're executed i think that actually happened to a slave who became a politician there was a runaway slave who became a politician. He was found out and he was executed. Jake Cahill found him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that's that's kind of like the that, that's what we're dealing with whenever we're looking at Anissimus flight. That's cool. That's, that's, you got a lot out of that little bitty letter. Right. Well, that's going outside of the letter to try seeing what the outside right. context is. Right. I guess that's why the dating is important for these documents. Actually, that's not why I guess that is why the dating is important for these documents is you have to figure out where and when this letter was written so that you can get a general feel of what the society at large how the society of large would treat this situation compared to how Paul treated it. And if you look at that, it's like a drastic difference. What are uh, what are other interpretations of this? Like outside? one interpretation that I ran across was that uh, Christians return runaway slaves to masters out of respect for Roman law. Okay. Yeah, but you don't see that anywhere. You can't get that from Philemon alone, and I don't see that in any other Christian text. So I read it in this book. Uh, I read it in a book. Um, <laughs> uh, what's it called? I forget what it's called. Anyway. He made just this general assertion from Philemon alone that Christians endorse the practice of Roman slavery by respecting Roman laws and returning slaves to their masters. And he cited Philemon. And I said, look, that might be the case, but you can't cite Philemon alone because Paul explicitly says that it's not Philemon's authority, it's Paul's authority. Paul has the authority to tell Philemon what to do, but Paul's not going to do that. I'm going to let you decide for yourself. And so Paul's not acting like he's doing this out of respect for Roman customs or Roman laws. Paul's saying like, look, I can do this, but I'm going to give you the reins on this one. What can Paul say? Paul says I can do what? What's that? Paul says I can do what? I can use my status as apostle to force you to do what I think you ought to do with with Onesimus. I got you. Make take it yeah. back. I got you. Yeah, and so so Paul's not Paul's not acting like Philemon has the authority here. Paul's doing the opposite of that. Paul's like, I have the authority, but here I am. I'm going to delegate that to you. And so whenever whenever I hear people not here, whenever I read that, I was like, well, you can't really take this from Philemon alone. If you cited another document, and I went and read that one, and it was clear that 
a Christian was doing this out of respect for Roman law, then that argument's valid. But you can't support that argument based off Philemon alone. So what's that got to do with us today? Give me some application. Give me some application. <laughs> that's where I suck. That's where I suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you walk past all of that stuff to get to the lack. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that no matter what the context is, you have to you have to treat every situation uh, with the with the gospel in your mind. That's how I would say this: is that whatever whatever economic situation you find yourself in, or political situation you find yourself in, that should not dictate your actions. The gospel should. And Paul didn't let Roman customs and laws dictate his actions he let the gospel do that and in in every facet like he wasn't being domineering to philemon he could have been paul could have been a master to philemon as philemon was a master to anisimus but paul actually showed philemon what it means to be a master it means giving you freedom to decide and then paul also leveled the playing field between slave and master um, and this is this is riddled throughout the New Testament. It's not just in Philemon. This is everywhere you look in the New Testament. Slave and master, they really have no hierarchy. They're they're equal. And then, like I said, Paul took on the debts of Onesimus and adopted Onesimus as a son, as a spiritual son. And so, all that's to say is that he let the gospel dictate his actions rather than the current political and economic situation. I got you. Jean Valjean as opposed to Javert. Well, I there guess the go. priest, the priest. Yeah. yeah. The priest is opposed mm-hmm. to Javert. Yeah, the priest is opposed to Javert. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'd say the priest is a pretty good indicator of what Paul is. What we're talking so, about. Yeah. What we're talking about real quick. Also, I'll give it. Wouldn't it also be that once you're Christian, that you are brothers and that you are equal? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you, you get that from Philemon as well. So um, that's, that's an application that could happen now mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah. Wait, so, wait, Glenn, don't get this idea that you're my equal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I don't have as many pop references either, so there you go. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's which, good. Which point. movies does this remind you of, James? That's all I want to know. From the 80s. Anyways. Yeah, like, no, that's that's a good one. You, like, if you're not treating your Christian brethren as as brothers, but instead you're lording over them your status in society, then you need to take a good hard look as to what you're doing. Because I even again, that's the thing that I think that that's something that is overlooked sometimes is Paul is simply like, oh, well, I'm not telling you to do this, but this is what I would do. I don't think he's just doing that. I think that he's I think that he's showing Philemon an example of what it means to be a leader. Well, in, in a very sim- so, Go ahead. What's that? I'm sorry. Well, I mean, isn't it very similar to when Jesus was asked about divorce, he said, you know, the law allows you to get a divorce, but you're a Christian now. And that law was written for other people, for Christians. You shouldn't be leaving your wife. You should be staying with her. It should. It's just a different standard now that you're a Christian. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the same principle, that, isn't it? Yes, yeah, it's, it's the same principle. I think that Jesus was talking more with authority at that point in time, but it is the same principle that Paul is using. We're, we're held because, to, as Christians, like the, we're held they, to a higher standard. What's that? At Christians, we're held to a higher standard. We're supposed yeah, Christians to. are held to a higher standard. And, like, yeah, it, I think Paul's preaching that as well. Yes, I, I do think Paul's preaching that as well. But I, wanna, I just want to emphasize that. Paul is not just preaching to Philemon that he's living by a higher high standard. Paul's actually like showing Philemon it. And so Paul, 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 instead of using his apostolic authority as 
Philemon's master. He's essentially Philemon's master. Instead of lording that over Paul and saying, I have the authority to tell you what to do and you have to live by a high standard because that's what Christianity is. Paul's saying, I relinquish that. And that's something that a master does. That's we, we treat other people with dignity. Like, I don't necessarily have to tell you what to do. You take this upon yourself to do it because you have the freedom to, even though I could, even though I could lord it over you. Well, I don't understand what you're saying Jesus was doing. I thought that's exactly what he was doing. Saying, Why are you doing that? Why Jesus that? was a very authority. Um, so he wasn't authoritarian in the sense that he made people do what he was doing, but he was very much an authority figure. Like he was, he, he very much said over and over again. Now, Paul said it over and over again, too, that he has the authority. All right. And which is why it's interesting in this letter how Paul relinquishes that. In his other letters, Paul often doesn't. He says, like, you guys need to listen to me. Um, whereas in this one, he, he doesn't do that. Paul, in his other letters, I think follows Christ's example. Christ has the authority from the Father. Paul has the authority from Christ. And both of them use that authority in very similar ways. It's not authoritarian where they force people to follow right. them. But they are saying that this is this is from God. This is from me. It's from God. And Paul doesn't do that in this letter. Instead of saying, this is from me, this is from God, therefore you're going to do it, he says, up to you, Philemon. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I get it. Paul did what he's asking Philemon to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, but I, I agree with your point that he's telling, like, there are a lot of things that you can extract from this. There's a higher standard that Christians need to live by. And so that's what Paul's telling Philemon as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, I, yeah. I, it, so I think that whenever you encounter a short book like this, like another one would be Habakkuk. That would be, that would be a good book to do research on. Is like, that those guys that ride around with, little motorcycles with red hats at the parades? Yes. Those guys. Okay. <laughs> Yes, uh, study them. Go out and just watch them. <laughs> I wonder how they keep running at each other. <laughs> God, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. Well, I, I think that that's an exercise that Christians should do, and I didn't do it. I mean, I guess I might have researched Philemon a little bit during my little like informal studies on slavery, but I didn't do it much because I I didn't have necessarily access to the library. But any library, public, private, whatever will have books on Roman slavery. And so this is something that you could do on your free time, even though I know that a lot of people don't have it. But you, if you encounter a short book like this, it's in the canon. It's there for a reason. And it's not you trying to find the meaning of it. It's that that meaning comes to life if you just do a little bit of reading. Well, let me say so, let, let me mm-hmm. say this. Let me say this because I, I, I sort of agree with you, but sort of sort of would like to push back a little. I'm an amateur. I have zero desire to become a professional or a, you know, a, a not lay a, you know, I don't know what, the, what you call it, but uh, I, I don't have a desire to do that. I'm, I'm a lawyer. That's what I am. And I think that's what I was called to do. That's what I am. I do read the Bible, but there's no way when I read the Bible, I'm going to get out of Philemon what you just did. No, there's no way. It's not happening. Okay, is because I'm not going to stop and go, well, wait, he's a slave. Let's talk about what rights did slaves have in Rome. Now, I'm going to have some background on that, but not near the background you just gave. You 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 surpassed my knowledge of slavery in, in Roman history by a lot today. Well, I'm going to get something out of it. It's going to be something like that. I was like, okay, this is the this is the priest in Les Miserables. He is showing grace to somebody who just stole from him. And he's showing grace. He said, not only am I going to give you what you stole, I'm going to give you what you forgot to steal. I'm turning the other cheek. And I would say that's what he's doing here. Paul could be, Paul could tell Philemon what to do, but he's showing grace to Philemon. I'm going to give you the authority to do this. You do what you think you're supposed to do. 
And and just keep in mind, this is what I think God's standard is. So I might have got that out of it, but I don't think I would have gotten. And I don't think I. I don't think I'm. I think that's why you have ministers. I think that you know we yesterday Tim Higdon did a just unbelievably good job with his sermon at at uh, Life Church yesterday. I wouldn't have dug that out of there. There's no way I'd have got mm-hmm. that on my own. I had I needed a professional to tell me that. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's something that you need to be hard pressed on as far as having a deadline to finish this project by. But if you're I would say that if you're reading Philemon and you're having difficulty getting something out of it, if you're reading Habakkuk and you're having trouble getting something out of it, um, maybe just set a like something a goal or something like that in your free time. Just say, whenever I have free time, I'll just do a little digging here and there, a little casual reading on what was going on with Habakkuk and what was happening with the Babylonians during that time. It's the same thing with Philemon. It's like, it doesn't have to be, oh, I have to get all this in this week. There's a due date and things like that. This could be a year-long project. Like, I'm bored on a Sunday, and I have nothing better to do. Um, And I got this book from the library that was on Habakkuk because I was interested in Habakkuk. And so I'm going to read just a little bit on that. I don't think it does much good for you just to look at Scripture. You need to look outside of Scripture to understand what was happening in it. Hmm. Yeah. And so that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that you need to that you need to take on a whole project like I just did. But um, if you're only looking at scripture for God's revelation, even God's scripture doesn't tell us to do that. Well, that's interesting. I will admit that it's interesting. And I, and I guess that's true. I would read a book on it if I had one. But but my basically when I read the Bible, I'm reading it for the, for the easy stuff. And then I, I count on the professionals to guide me and they do a good job i mean i find i find that that, you know that through the years i've had excellent ministers and i learned the type of things that you're talking about now but i think you just you just nailed something that i would have never gotten glenn would you have gotten this on your own not about the uh slavery um you know no i don't think i would have i don't think if i had read the letter i would have said well that's a nice story and i don't know if i would have really understood it yeah you know, it's a, to you what it's you know what it's like to me. I want to say to Jim, you know, Hamakar was not is not in the course materials. Uh oh, another movie reference. I'm yeah. the only one that got it. Yeah, yeah. In yeah, yeah. Emperor's Club, you remember he was oh, that yeah. that history guy that he was reading Hamakar Barca when he didn't. It wasn't on the it wasn't in the readings. Mm. <laughs> you yeah. get things out of movies most of us don't, James. Okay, yeah. it's just like you're far beyond us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, like I said, I haven't gotten graded on this yet. And for all I know, I just told you guys a bunch of bunk. And so it could be, you know, interesting if that's the case to say, hey, you remember that time that I told you to let the gospel guide your life? Like, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mean, I'm glad that you did it because you filled in some gaps that I had on. The, I, I knew I did know that they would come get you if they stole if you if you ran away. But I didn't realize that there was a different, there was a misdemeanor. You could lollygag. That's a misdemeanor. But if you take mm-hmm. off running, that's a felony. And if Paul is helping a felon in Roman law, that would probably be Aiden and abetting. And mm-hmm. another movie reference. And um, yeah. and and he so so he was already putting his kind of putting his name freedom on on well, he might have been in jail. But his, you know, what I'm saying he was, he was, he was, he was sticking his neck out, and so yeah. I would have not got that. But, but I don't think just, just from from where you tell me they found him, if I'm if I'm Jake Cahill, I'm going to go like I don't think so. I don't think you're lollygagging. I think you've run away. 
you you had right. to you had to know when you crossed over from Asia Minor into what's now Europe, you had to know you were running. Mm, yeah, that's what. Now I, I wonder say. what would have happened to Anisimus. I wonder what happened to Anisimus whenever he handed the letter to Philemon. Like, what was the initial response? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, probably similar to to the way Javert acted when Jean Valjean said, "Let let um, let um, what's her name go." I wanted mm-hmm. Cosette's mother. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Fontaine. Fontaine, let Fontaine go. That's probably what it was like. Uh, mm-hmm. I, he, well, you know, remember he walks in and he. Well, you don't care. The, you haven't read the book, I don't think. In the book, Jean Valjean walks in and tells Javert, "Let her go." Um, she had just had that that run in with the uh, you know with the gentleman that was hi- wanting to hire a hooker. Well, anyway, mm-hmm. he, he says, "Let her go," and his reaction was not good. I think that probably Philemon at first was that way, but but you're saying that because Javert would have said, "I'm going to leave it up." I mean, uh, Jean Valjean was said, "I'm going to leave it up to you, Javert," but that's not what happened. He said, "Let him go." I get you. I see what you're saying now about that. One one does it from authority, and the other one's doing it from, "Hey, Javert, I'd like you to let her go." Yeah, I mean, I, I would say he's probably he. Uh, Jean Valjean didn't have much authority in that situation, though, did he? I mean, he was. Oh, he he was, he was mayor. mayor. Oh yeah, I guess. Yeah, he, mayor and mayor and at that time, yeah, never mind. Was the was the was the law and the person who ran yeah. the place? So he he could tell Javert to let him go, and did let him and t- did tell him to. So, but I get you. I see the difference. But but I, but I but I, my you know, I would have been mad at my slave. If I were Philemon, because now you've put me in the situation where I got to turn it in, make a big fuss. Everybody's got to go try to track him down. Got to get J.K. Hill involved. You got to go find him. You've you've messed up my day. You know, you messed up my week. You've messed up. I'm probably going to it's probably going to cost me a week's worth of, of living here. I would have been angry. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. he, and you th- can't just fire your slave and give it away because. Then other slaves will run away if you right. mistreat them, and they think that oh yeah, we're going to have a better life if we just run away and go get away. So there are lots of things happening there. Yeah, um, I would have liked to have seen that. I'd like to see it depicted in a movie. Yeah, <laughs> hey, we can make Sorry, a movie by living. <laughs> Glenn thinks yeah. I'm, I'm addicted to movies. Yeah. Now, now we do know what ultimately happens. Ultimately, what happens is the letter gets circulated, and the letter is not a private one. It's it's a letter to the church of Philemon. So Philemon has a house church. So it's not just Philemon that's addressed; the mm. church that's addressed. And this letter rapidly circulates. Well, that's a big among detail you left servants. out. That's a big detail you left out. That's huge. So he had. So he was like it was like be like a bishop telling a priest what to do. Right. Could be. Could and, be. Mm, I got you. If, but but something else like. So you look at the letter, it seems pretty tame. Why would a tame letter circulate like wildfire in the early Christian circles? And the, the reason is because it wasn't tame. It wasn't tame at all. It looks tame to us. It wasn't tame at all then. And so ultimately what happens is that we see Paul setting the example of what it looks like to put the gospel in action. And that, that created ripple waves across the Roman Empire. Man, and Rome was in its apogee right then. It was strong. There was no, there, yeah, goodness. Yeah, yeah. And so, and then, of course, like the long-term implications of this, many people argue that Paul's actions here and his commands in the other letters led to the full abolition of slavery. One thing that should be important to know is that these Christian leaders, every single one of the apostles in the New Testament didn't own slaves. Like neither Jesus nor any of them. They never condoned the practice of Romanized slavery. They condemned slave trading, which was omnipotent in the Roman Empire. 
or not omnipotent, omnipresent. Anyway, so the um, anyway, all that's to say is that this I, I do think that that argument is worth studying and pondering and developing if you're going to say that the early Christian leaders actually ma- made steps toward the full-on abolition of state-sanctioned slavery. Even though I still argue that we have slaves that are just called prisoners. Okay, it's called workers. Were, were you saying that, that Jesus and his apostles condemned slavery or condemned the slave trade? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. So where, where is that? Timothy. Okay. Timothy uh, is it was slave traders. Okay. Um, uh, that's that's the words you're looking for. And so it's not it's not condemning slave owners. Yeah. And yeah. again, I think that there's I think that there's a reason for that. And I've argued this elsewhere. Uh, this is definitely something that's not peer reviewed, and I plan on having it reviewed here at some point in time. Is that there is systems are built that make people dependent on other people, and it's not just that uh, human beings make people dependent on them. It's like this is a natural state of things. Ever since time immaterial, there have been people dependent on other people. And that's just how society society runs. It's whether whether um, women as a weaker vessels are dependent on men or whether children are dependent on their parents or whether you have people with disabilities dependent on uh, on their families. You have you have those types of people. And so dependency that getting rid of slavery does not solve the problem of dependency. And as a person who is independent that has people dependent on you, you can be very abusive on those people, even though the system of slavery isn't around. I mean, yeah, you're, so, you're talking just like Aristotle. That's exactly what he says. Well, Aristotle says that there are people who are naturally inferior. That's well, kind of his argument. He, but he, he believes that no matter what you do in, with status, you can give them status, you can give them things, you can give them whatever – but they're gonna they're gonna become slaves to it. They're gonna become sub- subservient. They're gonna become needy. That they, they, you can't mm-hmm. do anything about it. Yeah, and yes, Aristotle thought he was smarter than everybody too. But he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would like to. I'd like to at least for the time being split my thoughts from Aristotle. I think that uh, there's a lot of. I think that the, some of the things that he says are true, but I also know that a lot of his thinking led to the justification of slavery, and that's not what I'm arguing. But I am mm. saying that we have people who are dependent on society, and like I said, they're called prisoners. I have never read that. They, where, where did you get that? What are you talking about? That that his that that Aristotle. His his teachings led to slavery because he was a, a not abs- led to slavery, justified slavery. Okay, I mean he was a free slavery. enterprise guy. Period. Mm, I mean, he yeah. was. Now, if you just said Plato, I'd agree with you. Mm, yeah, and so well. Anyway, the the broader point that I'm making, whether I sound like Aristotle or not, is that you you can get rid of slavery, <laughs> you can't get rid rid of dependency, and you can't get rid of right. justice. Right. Justice has to happen, or or. Everybody has a sense of justice. Everybody doesn't want their car to be stolen, regardless of how communist you are. And so you have this idea that justice needs to be done if something is wrong against you. You're not just going to take a slap in the face and just say, oh, well, that's okay." No, you want something to happen. So that's you're going to always have that society. If you have that combined with the problem of dependency, justice and dependency leads to forms of um slavery or forms of imprisonment you're always going to have that anyway so i don't know how i got here <laughs> and so i need someone to help me loop back in well no, no i mean I'm, i was listening what basically basically um where where we are is I, I what i got out of it was that there's dependency and regardless of whether there's slavery mm-hmm. all right yes. that that's where you were heading 
And mm-hmm. I, I think that's what's happening in Philemon. There we go. I think that's what's happening in Philemon. Even though you can get rid of Onesimus' status as slave, you're not going to get rid of the problem of dependency in that letter. Yeah. And so how do you deal with the situation? As a Christian, as a, as a fledgling Christian sect, you can call for abolition, but practically what's that going to do for Onesimus? Try to get him crucified. If you, if you say that again? Said in his letter to Philemon, Paul could have outright called and called for the abolition of slavery and condemned the institution as a whole. And he could have done this in a way that would have upset Philemon. And if he would have done that, if he would have called for abolition on behalf of a runaway slave, which was the most despicable of the Roman society, then this would have arguably led to Anisimus being crucified. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. You asked this question. I gave you my opinion. What, how do you think Philemon took the letter? A public, a public letter. What's up? A public letter. <laughs> it wasn't a private yeah. reprimand. This yeah, is a public, public reprimand. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it was addressed to the church. And I think Philemon took it with integrity. And I think that he, because it wasn't stowed away, this letter's public now. It's public information. And I think that he read it to the church. And I think that he says, he's right. This is what the gospel looks like. This is what I'm going to do. And that's why the letter circulated. Hmm. That's why I'm not in seminary. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that, that is a, that is an opinion. That is not a fact. <laughs> I just, I, you know, I, I guess I would say this. Maybe two different reactions. The first reaction was, what? And then the second was, oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm just wondering if like Anismus, whenever he returned, was trying to figure out how he was going to present it. So he's like, do I do I hand this to him privately or do I read this to the whole church? So I just bust up in their meeting <laughs> and read it to everyone. And so so they would yeah. tattoo him on the head. Yeah, well, tattoo is a nice way of saying it. Brand. They well, would, you, they, yeah. What was that movie, Tarantino movie, where the, the guy was cutting the Nazi on the foreheads so they couldn't yeah. after the fact? Oh, that was uh, Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. sort of what he was doing. So you could never escape the fact that you were a Nazi. This guy put that on there. So the same thing was if you had that on your forehead the rest of your life, you were a runaway slave and, and people weren't mm-hmm. going to trust you anymore. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And so, yeah, and so this is, yeah, again, like as Anissimus, that that's the situation that you got to put yourself in, I believe, to really get the full force of this letter. Because you you have run out of options at this point. You made, whether it was justified or not, you made a decision that in the long run will not work out for you, will arguably not work out for you. You're, if successful, you'll live in destitution. If not, you'll go back and you'll be branded in the face and probably treated worse. And if and in the meantime, in that intermediate period between whether you're successful or not, you're constantly living with one eye open, making sure that you're not caught. Like your dog. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, so so if, you, if you put yourself in that situation and you're trying to figure it out, like you're really trying to figure this out. I, I have no life. I have no way of eating, of getting bread because I'm out here alone and nobody's going to take in a runaway slave. Yeah, all right. how, did Paul, sure that, how did Paul get in possession of him? Yeah, I was going to ask. Paul, uh, well, I see. That's the thing is, I don't know how exactly that happened. I just know that they ran into each other, whether Anisimus deliberately went and sought Paul, or if it was by some miraculous happenstance that Anisimus just ran into Paul. And Paul's like, oh, I know your master. 
And then they start talking and Paul's like, what, you're not a Christian? Like, why aren't you Christian? And then he starts talking to Onesimus about the gospel, converts Onesimus. And now they're talking about like, well, now what? And Paul says, <laughs> well, let me see what I probably can do. send you back to Philemon. Yeah. All right. So, so I'll be after hearing that. And I think that's probably a good way. It probably went down. I still think that Philemon, he had dirty hands. He was not treating that guy well. Why, why would he go to – what would make him go see Paul if that's if that's what he was doing? If it wasn't just by, by like, random coincidence. Can I get my version of it? Yes. I think I don't think that that's, it happened like that. I don't think he sought Paul out. I think they met, and he's going like – Paul starts just questioning him, and he realizes, oh, I know who you are. Wait, wait, was Paul in prison at the time? Yeah. Yeah, so. That's, that's the argument. That's how would the he, idea. How would they meet uh, by Oh, they met in jail. Yeah, but, but if he if they met in jail, they would they would have known he was a runaway slave, right? So, right. Well, no, so, he might have. He so he would have already been in the process. Of being, he might have broke a window pane. Yeah. Now, Paul was in chains. Yeah, but they would have figured out So this could have been house there. arrest. Okay. This could have been house arrest. Okay. Uh, okay. And so Paul was still able to have visitors. Uh, Luke came. And, the, the idea is that Luke frequently visited Paul. And so. Okay, that's a big the, difference. I did not realize. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, you're asking if Onesimus deliberately sought Paul, what would be the reason for that? And I think the reason would be that Philemon had a master. Onesimus knew okay. this. Okay. And Onesimus okay. went and sought out Philemon's master. Gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Well, it's time so, for it's time for Glenn to spot paint. <laughs> okay, this uh, was a letter I was not readily aware of, so I'm glad we went over it um, because I think it does go to be about Christians all being brothers and equal in the eyes of the Lord, and it's about equality. I think that slavery is actually evolved. Because if you think about it, you know, you used to have, you know, a dispute with another tribe. So you go in, you kill all the men, maybe, and then you have women and children. What do you do with them? Well, if you let them grow up unmolested, then you've got gossip. Uh, if If you kill them, that's brutal. So, and perhaps, you know, the potential, it was just, it seemed like such a waste. So what could you do? You could enslave them. Therefore, you control them. That's where I think slavery may have come up with, and it became different forms over years because you couldn't just, you know, have a humans, even today, put things together pretty well. Uh, you know, we have a different system now. But this is saying, no, if you are really Christian, you are really equal, period. Yeah. And you need to treat each other that way. So that's where I see this story going. And that's probably at the time, you know, think about status and, you know, different types of uh, hierarchies. This is kind of not destroying that, but reforming that in a way that was probably mind boggling to the people of the time. We see it differently now because we have this system that kind of was based on that. But now it's, you know, we, we still have this creep back to hierarchy, the status of all these things. Maybe that's what's driving our entire um, political system right now is status uh, and people wanting more than others uh, without doing the work. So that's where I see this story really fitting into today. 
Well, I hope that was clear. Good stuff. Good spot it was good really stuff. Good it really painting. was. It was. Look, we only got a few minutes left. I want to throw something out. That Glenn always excuses me of this, but it's really for maybe a discussion at another time. And I want to say it before I before I say it, this is going to sound very controversial, but it's a question I have that I want to be thought about and answered another day. And here it is. That in in when when the Jews were going into the promised land, they were told to kill everybody, men, women, children, animals, everything. What's the difference between that and what the Palestinians did saying that they want Israel out of there? How is that how is that a different standard than the than the than the Jews were when they moved them out of the promised land? Well, they weren't told to rape, that's for sure. But <laughs> I will um, Yeah, we, we can we can definitely talk about that. I'm happy day. I laughed at. Yeah, I mean, I know there's some differences, and I knew I knew that's one of them. And I don't think that they that they hung children up to you know there was there's some atrocities that weren't there, but 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 it occurred to me when I was reading the other side that they are more or less saying they they don't have any idea on how to get rid of these Jewish people other than to do this, and so I guess. So another time, I really would like to discuss it because you know very much that I support Israel's right to exist. I support the fact that they that what was happening with Hamas was atrocious, and there's no justification for it whatsoever. But I would just kind of like to compare that to what happened in in the Promised Land, some point, if we could. Mm, absolutely, yeah, that would be a good discussion. And we're going to, in the very near future, we're going to discuss near-death experiences, something that Doc and I have a common interest in. And so I'd like to talk about that. We're going to talk about that in another day. We hopefully will have uh, the giant preacher back, Doc, Glenn, Jim. Thank you for coming on. Listeners, thank you. Appreciate your guys' comments. And we will be back tomorrow with more fun secular things. Right. <laughs> However, there oh, yes. is something else we need to talk about just real quick. I almost <laughs> forgot this. Want, oh, the unpardonable sin. Want, I almost lost my salvation. Yeah, <laughs> if you want to know and contemplate these things and have a perfect environment to learn uh, the scripture outside the scripture and all the things you would need to study, you'll head over to the Houghton PJs because uh, they have delicious coffee, boosted teas, all natural Red Bull, uh, all sorts of delicious pastries. They're almost decadent in their in their pastriness, and uh, <laughs> get more clarity, more focus, and way more freedom. Trust me. I trust you. <laughs> hey Jim, thank you for such. That's good preparation. Very very good presentation, and enjoyed it very very much. Yeah, we will be. Much. Back next week with more fun. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks. All right. Bye. See you guys. Bye.